Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your Monday. Maddox is going to join us at 4.30. Coach Gordy Chiesa is going to jump on the show at 5, so stay tuned. We'll let you hear from Larry Kraskoviak coming up here momentarily, a few minutes from his conversation today with DJ and PK. Gordon, let me blindside you with a question, all right? You ready? All right. If you had to make a guess right now, how many uh, local teams from the state of Utah will be in the NCAA tournament? Two. Okay, so I think two conservatively. I think I think two is pretty much a sure thing. I think Utah State, unless they completely fall on their face, uh, is going to be in, right? Yeah. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. Um, or, I mean, that could be controversial. I guess I've seen Utah State as, as a bubble team in a few yes, spots. So, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Maybe somebody would argue. But that's just how it is in my mind. But then, look, the top two teams from the big sky are Southern Utah followed by Weber State. And, uh, yeah. and Weber has had a really good year at 12-3. Southern Utah is at 12-2. and two. Uh, that's in league, by the way. Overall, Weber is seventeen and five, and and Southern Utah is nineteen and three. I'd say the odds of one of those teams getting in is probably pretty darn good. And then okay. if you look at uh, Utah Valley, they're currently at in second in the WAC, and uh, they're nine and four in league, eleven and ten overall. They're half a game behind Grand Canyon at nine and three, and they're fifteen and six overall. So you know, I don't know if I would say Utah Valley is likely to go, but I think that they've got a shot at it. They just swept Grand Canyon over the weekend. So and the only go. reason they're half a game behind is Grand Canyon's played less games. They have been. One fewer game in league. Uh, let's see. How many games overall? 21 as compared to... Oh, no, they're pretty close to overall played the same. But not that that matters. One in fewer, conference. Though. In conference, yeah. One fewer game. So, I don't think it's out of the question that uh, that uh, Madsen's crew there at UVU could possibly get a berth. So, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say three. I think that okay. three get in possibly four. I mean, four would be awesome, right? We shall see. Um, you know, I, I hate to be a stick in the mud, but I, I just no, don't, you don't. Count. Hang on one second. <laughs> Sorry Hello? I had to cough. <laughs> we noticed. <laughs> Woo. Ah, I think I swallowed a fly. You were saying you don't like conference tournaments. Yeah, I'm not a big yeah. fan. Why? Because I, the tournament is tournament enough. I I think these teams that earn their positions through the regular season that should mean more. I don't necessarily disagree with that overall point, but I do like conference tournaments. I I think it's fun to see these teams in the tournament get, style. Uh, you know, I used to think that, but I've I've just. Um, uh, as time has gone by, I've, I've worn they've worn a little thin. Look, look at it from a local college basketball standpoint. We get way more run and memories out of the conference tournament than the NCAA tournament around these. I don't know about like when's the last time a Utah m- team won a, te- a game in the NCAA? No, tournament? no, no. I got I was going to disagree with the more part. I don't know if we get or not. Not disagree. I was going to agree with you on the more part. We get because we get memories from that every year, and not necessarily with the NCAA. But you know. I mean, BYU's Sweet 16 run, that's always going to be... That was 48 years ago. Which one? The Jimmer one wasn't that long <laughs> that ago. That was 21 years ago. That was like 10 years ago, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, and you're hanging on to that? But the, it's more memorable. We huh. don't get more memories, but that would be more I think more Sam Merrill's shot last year Amazing. Yeah, trumps yeah. all of that. I'm a, I am I, I like the, the tournaments. Now, I think it's unfortunate for Big Sky that the winner of their tournament, it's, well, I mean, we saw Damian Lillard not go to the NCAA tournament for that reason. I don't think there's a, a ton of justice there, but I, I do. I love Vegas on conference tournament time. It's amazing. If you're a basketball fan, it's there's very few other events that I would re- recommend you go 
when all those uh, conferences are down there playing conference tournaments. It's pretty awesome. See, that's what I I feel that way about the NCAA tournament. Don't feel that way about conference tournaments because I think it's much ado about nothing, really. What was the regular season for? And, Jake, I'm surprised because I've had this argument with you before where you talk about playoff uh, inflation and that the regular season should mean more. Oh, right. I, that's why I told you I didn't disagree with your you conceptually, Gordon, but I can enjoy the the conference tournaments like the basketball is. Well, fun. I didn't say the competition they were is fun watching watching teams that aren't likely to win their conference tournament win a couple. Like if you fans would be jazzed if they won a couple of games. Right. I mean, it would be a way in a sense to, to salvage a little pride out of this season. That could be fun for that fan base. I certainly think. I certainly think Cougar fans would have some fun to see their team get another crack at Gonzaga tomorrow night. Uh, let's get to this, though. Cro- well, Coach- they're they're, they're going to lose again, though. <laughs> so? <laughs> they're going to play again? So what? Yeah, well. We could see a great game. Yeah. Who knows? I've covered I'm that just... tournament like eight times, and the, the Gonzaga's going to win every year. doesn't mean I haven't enjoyed going down there and watching basketball. Right. I mean, I didn't say it was torture. I just said it's an extra layer. You know, the ACC came up with this tournament idea a long time ago. And, uh, you know, a lot of leagues did not have one. But I want to say it's been probably, when did the other leagues really jump in on it? Maybe 30 years ago, something like that. And then everybody jumped in on it. And next thing you know, these leagues that have a team that won the regular season get bumped on a, on one last second shot in a conference tournament game, and that that's I think that's most unfortunate. And thus, good reason to end it for everybody. <laughs> bah humbug! Too much fun. Here's uh, Larry Kraskoviak was on with DJ and PK earlier today. Let's hear a few minutes of that convo. Obviously, the last three years have been hard. They've probably been hard on you and all that, and you're trying to change things. What's the what one or two things you're trying to change about the program to get them back to, you know, where you were with DeLon Wright in the NCAA tournament? Well, it's, it's uh, you know, this is an interesting time for us. We're not, we're not thinking long-term here right now. We're trying to get to the Pac-12 tournament and figure out a way to beat Washington. Um that's where all of our focus is and and we're trying to play forward rather than uh you know taking a look back so um you know maybe end of the season i'd be better equipped to answer that type of question but um i think more importantly is is staying present we've uh we've played with everybody we've had nice leads against everybody in our conference one through eleven uh, and now we need to bottle it up at a special time of year when everybody heads down to Vegas and see if we can play some consistent basketball and win some games. And then, obviously, offseason, we jump into recruiting and player development. But um, right now, we're, we're ready to grind. Larry, you hit the very word that I was going to use, consistent. It's hard for me to give complete and total evaluations for any team this year with COVID being as strange as it was and the in-and-out nature of the season. But nevertheless, games were played, scores were kept, and as I watch your games, really moments and extended moments of brilliance, as you've said. How do you channel that to find that consistency? Because it's clear that the talent is there and stretches to be very good. Yeah, you know, and it's um, I don't want to talk about it's not a youth thing, um, but at times that's a part of it. You know, having having some freshmen on the floor that need to be solid. Uh, I just watched, you know, I watched our game at Washington uh, we had a 12-point lead with four minutes to go in the first half, sharing the ball, making great plays. And it really comes down, you know, and I think this time of year I shared it with our guys in pregame on Saturday. Um, sometimes everybody wants to analyze and, and coaches and players and want like one big answer of how do we find more consistency and as I look back on all of these previous games where we lose leads or where you build a 10-point lead, there's always a correlation in that. And it's, it's a matter of doing the proverbial little things more often and consistently than the other team. You know, obviously you have to knock down a shot. You have to make your free throws. But 
you have to block out on possessions. Back to the Washington point, we had a 12-point lead, and we have three straight possessions um, where we missed good shots, open shots, a couple of layups actually. And then when you make a decision to jog back on defense because you're carrying some of the offensive frustration with the inability to make that layup, and then they whap down three threes, you know, in the last four minutes heading into – that's not rocket science. That's just let's stick with uh, doing all those little things. It starts with the effort to get back and communicate and be in a stance. And really, that's how most of these games go. If you can find that consistency, regardless of whether you're on offense or defense, to make the right play, make the game the play that the game presents to you. We've had turnover issues at times, and I think those are uh, from trying to hit home runs when we should probably just be advancing runners and hitting singles. and um, So it's not a mystery to our team. It really isn't because we've, we've had enough sample size. We've had enough data, a lot of the ups and downs. And if there's ever a time to put it together, it's right now. And I think the consistency comes in just being steady and consistent with the approach of the next possession. And that's going to give us a chance to advance and maybe win some games, and that's probably the big key. I'm curious with your players. You know, it's different with fans because they ride the roller coaster. They have no control over it, and they're invested, and, you know, they go nuts. There have been some encouraging wins and then just some heartbreaking losses here. Have you had to buck this team up a little bit? Do kids let this stuff roll off their back? How's your team mentally right now? Well, well, I think I think we're okay. Uh, I would be concerned if we were if we were like trying to play darts with the blindfold on, you know, like it, we really don't have any idea what the hell we're doing, and <laughs> let's just go roll the dice and see what happens. But you can watch any one of our games. Uh, I've watched them multiple times. If you want to watch, you know, okay, we didn't feel good about getting beat at home the other night by Oregon State. Well, guess what? It's not a mystery. If you if you rebound a little bit harder and we don't give up 24 points uh, on second shots and you can block out on two missed free throws that they scored baskets on, we probably win. So it, we've got, again, we've got this long movie that we've watched. And, and believe me, we watch film after every game. Our guys watch film when we'll beat Arizona and what it looks like when it's good and what it looks like when it's bad. So – Going into this, this is the talk, uh, talk is cheap kind of year, uh, time of year. You know, the, we can sit down and talk about all of it, or you guys can just bring up your memory banks and know that we've got to do a lot of these elements. You got to take care of the ball. You got to rebound. You got to share it. And guess what? When you when you're open, you got to make it. And I mean, we've been shooting ninety percent from the free throw line the last. If Colorado wasn't about to break uh, the all-time NCAA record, we'd be knocking on the door of that. So there's some good things that are happening. Let's just piece it all together. And so our guys aren't suicidal and worried. You know, it's, 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 uh, it is right before us. And if everybody does their part and plays their role and things come together, we can be successful. So there – you know, it's it's not one of those seasons where anybody's thrown in the towel and, and wants to move on. And so I think mentally everybody should be in a pretty safe place right now. And we had a really good – it was a lot of fun on Saturday watching guys that haven't played a lot of minutes go out and do their thing. And the guys on the bench, unbelievably supportive. We recognize some seniors and Donnie Daniels. So, you know, this isn't a victim time. You know, this this year's killed a lot of people. It's unemployed a lot of people. We've just played 19 out of our 20 conference games, which I never would have guessed. So, you know, let's say bad for bad. that we're, we're going out to play a game in the best time of the year in March Madness. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be really disappointed if I found out that anybody on our team is not in a good mental place because – uh, th- this has been this has been pretty uh, positive, and there's been a lot of good things to take. And now let's go, let's go make sure we really have a good taste in our mouth and do this thing the right way. There you go, Larry Kraskoviak uh, from DJ and PK earlier today on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Where do you want to start, Gordo? Well, overall, that sounds like a coach to me whose team is 11 and 12 overall and 8 and 11 in conference or whatever it is. Uh, it's you know he's he's talking. 
in a positive tone. Uh, and there have been, like the guys asked about, positive moments for this season. But when you have those positive moments, that's the real indictment of the negative moments, right? If you prove you're good enough to win certain games, why aren't you good enough to win more? And that's a problem that Larry was talking about there. And I, 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 <laughs> I, I don't know what the answer is, Jake. Uh, but obviously he's, he's uh, focusing on, on the opportunity that's in front of him right now. So we'll see what happens next. If the Utes can string together a bunch of their top moments uh, from the past this season, then maybe they can surprise a lot of folks. But because those negative ones exist, uh, it's it's hard to really jump aboard that train. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, from Larry's standpoint, though, if he goes down there and rattles off a couple of victories, maybe gets a couple of upsets under his belt, maybe that buys him some time to go get another stud or another piece to to compete next year with the you know next to the guys he's bringing back. So I thought the critical question that was asked is how do you take those good moments? And uh, you, you can say this about any team that has a lot of ups and downs, but how do you magnify the good and, and uh-huh. get rid of the bad? And if he can do that, I think he can probably keep the, uh, the you know, <laughs> keep the naysayers at bay at least a little bit. And uh, I think this season has been challenging for him, for a lot of coaches, for a variety of reasons. I think you could hear that from Larry a little bit this morning. So, you know, if he can figure out a way to stay in the moment and, and get his team to a couple of wins and, and show some promise, I think that would go a long way for his program. Well, I would tip the cap if he's able to get his team to perform at that high level from here on out. Uh, I, I, I just don't know how likely that is. I'm not saying it can't happen, but it hasn't been that way through the, the lion's share of the season. So. You know, but but here's the long and short of it is Larry Kruskoviak has not recruited as well lately as he had been in the past. I mean, well, he had the three NBA players right and, uh, after that. Uh, not yeah. that it was a bad question, but I, I chuckled a little bit at DJ's question at the beginning where he's like, you know, how can you get back to the, the you know, the success you had when when DeLon Wright was there? You know, what cultural changes do you need to get to? And I understand what DJ was asking. Certainly it was wasn't a bad question, but. It kind of self-answering there a little bit. Well, he had a first-round NBA draft pick. He actually had two first-round NBA draft picks on a team that went to the Sweet 16. Not a surprise. I mean, the recipe for winning at Utah has always been pretty simple over the years. Get NBA talent, you're going to be pretty good. <laughs> well, and, it's, a, it's a proud basketball program that I think should be really good. I mean, the, the, that is the legacy of the program on the whole. But hasn't been that way for a while. Well, I mean, you look at Ryland Jones, who's a really nice player, um, but is he next-level NBA change of talent? No, he's probably more of a guy that makes you a good team, but probably not number one, right? Mm. It, you okay. know, if oh, honestly, and, and the Utes have had a number, number of those players throughout the years, you know, good players, but probably not next-level guys, but those good players that, you know, make you a good team. They need a, they need a top dude. They need a Jakob Pertle. They need a Delon Wright. They need okay, so they need l- an Andrew l- Bogut or or go back to Josh Grant or or Andre Miller or Keith Van Horn or all of the number of really great NBA top level players that have come and gone through Utah. They haven't had those since Kyle Kuzma, and I even think they underachieved a little bit with Kuz. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, what about programs that don't necessarily have NBA top level NBA talent who still? win more consistently than Utah has of late. For example? Well, I mean, uh, well, well, I guess look at BYU. I mean, I was going to say look for somewhere else, but BYU isn't exactly chock full of NBA talent. Well, I wish we, we would have been able to see how well their team would have done last year, but with BYU, you know, when is the their last two Sweet 16 runs? When they had NBA guys. In fact, right, players talking, of the I'm year. Talking, I'm talking about right now. I I, know. BYU, I would say BYU's program in the last two years has been better than Utah's. I would agree, but I mean, and they don't have NBA talent. Yoli Childs is pretty good, maybe not NBA. Toulson's still battling out in the G League. Um, Elijah Bryant's a pro, certainly, but not NBA talent. I hear what you're saying, but that team was pretty good. I, that's yeah. why I was saying I wish we had a chance to see how they would have done last year. But you, BYU certainly is a little bit different than Utah. the The recipe for success is Utah. You get the dudes. 
and you get a couple of NBA three, two to three, four next level guys, you're gonna be pretty good. Like look at their finals team. You had uh, you had what uh, Hano NBA player Alec. Uh, um, Doliak, NBA guy, Andre Miller, NBA guy, Britton Johnson, NBA guy. That's four. That's not even counting right. Alex Jensen. But that was 23 years ago. But that's the that's when they're having the success that you're talking about. And so for, you know, if I'm Larry, I'm looking for a chance to fend off the criticism just enough to give me one more year and I got to go find a dude. That's the game plan. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know if that's the plan or not. I don't know. Well, if, if you want to look at what... BYU, that's what they did last year. They took Dave Rose's guys, Yoli and Elijah Bryan and that crew, and he added a dude and Jake Toulson, and they were really good. Well, obviously you have to have talent to win. I mean, that, that that's for sure. Uh, but it, it, I, I just don't get the inconsistency of this team. Well, I think I, it's... I, I don't I don't understand that. When I see that kind of that kind of play, it makes no sense. Why are you able to play at such a level and then play like a pack of dogs? What? Uh, wh- why is that? Probably because you need everything to go right for you and play this team brand of basketball that's dif- difficult to maintain. Yeah, it may be. I, the brilliance I, I, of having LeBron James on your team is the whole team can suck and you can still win. Right. Well, I, you know. Yeah, I don't know. All I know is what I see, what I've seen out of Utah over the past three years, and it hasn't been anything to to really uh, brag much about. Right. And I think the problem has been top-end talent. I think that's what we're we're diagnosing. Well, I right? mean, in college sports, you can go with, to the recruiting card every single time, whether it's football or basketball, whatever. you got to have the talent to win. Well, that's and why that cliche to, is so horribly obnoxious, but yet true. The the lifeblood of any college program. Yeah, and then and again, I don't know why you right. need to say lifeblood. It never made sense to me. <laughs> but it's why I told you if I were putting together a staff, Gordon, my first hire would be somebody who's gonna go get the guys and not tell me about it. <laughs> if I'm putting together a staff, I'm hiring a dude who's gonna go out and deliver and not tell me uh, what he had to do to get it. Do you mean that when you say that, Jake? If do I want to succeed in college basketball? Yes. Then I So so in other words, what you're saying is you have to cheat to win. It's the easiest way to do it. Uh, okay. I'll well, I didn't that, say uh, how I'll that assistant that. goes out and gets those guys. I just said they have to deliver and not tell me about it. The implication is clear. Just go get it. Just don't tell me about it. And then you'll sign another big contract, and then if you get caught, it doesn't matter anymore. Right? Exactly. All right, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, our friend from Lone Depot. He is Matt Harrison with us here on The Big Show. What's going on, Matt? Hey, guys. How you doing? We're doing great. Let's let's talk about benefiting financially, but uh, by doing so with a, a move that is very much not only above board, but wise. That's right. I was going to say you always want to live your life above board. Yes, 100%. I think we always, all do. always. Right, Gordo? Uh, what happens if you're like in the belly of a ship? Yeah, is it okay to be good. below board at that? Point? It's kind of like in the belly of a whale. Just, yeah, you'd still, you still you still want to be up above where you can look out the window, right? You, okay. <laughs> all right. I don't even know what below board means. What does that mean? <laughs> all right. Uh, ignore the man behind the curtain here. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. So we've, we've talked about a lot of things. I um, actually had a, a couple of calls during the, the break that we had and a couple of questions, and I think uh, good to, to hit on them. So um, I think first and foremost, again, this is a program that is designed, it's a premium program for those that are 62-plus to avoid having to make a principal and interest payments. You do need to have about a 50% equity position in your home, um, but it is a program that is designed to allow for increased cash flow and uh, put you in a, in a position to where you can live life more fully. Um, one of the questions you need to ask yourself first and foremost right off the bat is, am I in a house that fits my needs? Or do I need to make a change into something that might be a little more desirable or a better fit for my needs as I age? One of my clients, um, his main purpose for doing a reverse was twofold. Number one, 
he only had $300,000. That was it. And he couldn't find anything out there that was getting him excited. So he used his reverse and used it to purchase a home that was $600,000. And again, he doesn't have principal or interest payments. All right. So this is a really, really cool feature about this program. But he did it with the mindset of, I want to plan for the future. He, you know, his mobility is great right now. Everything's fantastic. But what if he had to get into a wheelchair or a walker or, you know, didn't, wasn't able to negotiate stairs anymore? So he really found a home that would fit those needs, and he decided to put in a pool. So he kind of got everything that he wanted, but again, he doesn't have to make those principal or interest payments. Those become optional, and it allows for him to, you know, really live the life that he wants to in his later years. So cool. And what you're doing right now is getting the info out there. You want everybody to be able to find out if this is a good fit for them going forward. Yes. So I've been giving out my cell phone. For those who have called, I haven't been able to get to you yet. I will get to you. Uh, but it's 330, sorry, 801-330-2200. Again, 801-330-2200. I am sending out free books on this program as well. You can visit my website, reverseourhome.com. Again, reverseourhome.com. And just excited to educate and see if this program is going to be a good fit for you. Awesome. 801-330-2200. 801-330-2200. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, guys. All right, that's our friend Matt from Lone Depot. We'll have more coming up next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You're locked on to The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. We're going to talk to Mannix coming up here momentarily for your daily assist. We'll get his thoughts on uh, the all-star extravaganza and also uh, second half of the NBA season, which uh, begins for the Jazz on Friday, uh, hosting uh, the Houston Rockets for a national TV game starting at 8. Houston, uh, Gordon, not terrific. No, no. No, it's, uh, well, I mean, I could, uh, no real tears shed around here, right? Uh, no, no, probably not. <laughs> Although, you know, it really does stink that James Harden basically ran the show, all <laughs> things considered. And then when his kind of master plan turns out to be a disaster, he can just bounce. Yeah, I, that's, that's the way it worked. And, uh, you know, I have not read much about fan reaction down there. Didn't he get a pretty nice tribute uh, overall in Houston? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, he was he was funny because he was kind of mm, trying to sway that reaction before the game, if you remember, where he said, oh, but I do this, the, all this stuff in the community and my restaurant is handing out free meals and all this stuff, which is true, which is true. I don't, I don't mean to say that because he, by all accounts, has been a pretty good member of the community down there, and the way he gives back has been pretty darn cool. But he did go out of his way to kind of highlight that before the game. You know what I mean? Like, oh, have nothing but love for those good fans and good people giving back, and just remember, I'm I'm a pretty good dude off the floor. So so don't so take it easy on me. <laughs> you know? Look, I, I I know that there are all kinds of extenuating circumstances and there are hurdles to clear and all that stuff. But isn't the best way for any star player to show appreciation to the fans is to stay with them and win for them? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, it's not revolutionary, right? And yet. It, it's remarkable how many times that doesn't come into play. That's one of the reasons I think jazz fans are so psyched right now about their team. It's winning, but both Donovan and Rudy have, uh, have committed and they're not the only ones. 
who have shown a real desire to be here. And that always plays well with the home crowd, it, and it always will. And so if you say, I'll just never forget talking to Carlos Boozer and trying to find out from him where his head was at. And he, he never he never could actually say it, that, yes, I want to be here. I want to play here. This is what I want to do. And he was so many opportunities to do it. And so, so often the fans didn't embrace that, you know, even though they had some real nice – that game he played, ironically enough, against Houston, remember, uh, that was that was a, a thing of beauty. But I'm not sure that the fans could ever get to a place where they really, really embraced him because he wouldn't let them. Yeah, yeah okay, uh, I hear you with Booz. Booz just came off so um, disingenuous that, and I don't know if it was del- his delivery or what, but it, it kind of the sun was always shining with Carlos, you know. So I don't think a lot of people knew kind of what Carlos Boozer, who he really was, if that makes any sense. Although I, I'm hesitant to, to go down this road so much with Carlos Boozer on you because he's defended Utah multiple times since yeah. leaving I mean, you've in, brought that up. in national interviews. So I just don't know if we ever really knew that, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get to it. Let's let's talk to Chris about what's going on. It's time for your Daily Sis. Go ahead, Austin. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hi, Chris. Happy Monday. How are you? What's going on, guys? Hey, Chris, before Jake comes in with a strong basketball question for you, I can't let this day go by, you being the boxing expert that you are, to ask about the fight of the century, March 8th, 1971, between Smoke and Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali. Yeah, I was a young boy back then, you know. <laughs> no, I, I mean, that was well before my time, of course, uh, being on this earth. But anybody who watches boxing knows of that fight um ali his first significant fight uh since being sidelined for uh you know for reasons we all know for his words on on the war and you know frazier his big opportunity uh, in that fight and you know that that was a time when boxing held a place in in the sports world that it hasn't seen in a very long time i mean i, I i've watched tape of it over and over again, I've watched the rematch. I mean, I've watched all of Ali's fights, for that matter. Um, it was a special a special night. And you always wondered watching that, you know, would Ali have beaten Frazier if he had been more active and if he had been the Muhammad Ali before the layoff? That's always going to be one of those questions when it comes to that fight. Yeah, I remember it to this day. I was young, but I was I didn't watch the fight live. But, man, we were all hanging on the edge of our seat. Every kid, every sports-oriented kid that I knew was big time into that fight. And I don't know if that's the way it is anymore, but it was back then. No, it's it's like that in spots now, whether it's Mayweather-Pacquiao in 2015. There's a heavyweight clash coming up this year between Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua that will probably captivate the sports world when that fight happens because for the undisputed heavyweight championship between two guys in their prime but you know more than just Ali Frazier it was you know it was every you know six weeks there was a mega fight if not earlier I mean it just you know boxing and and we could go down a rabbit hole with this but boxing has been its own worst enemy for a long time guys have been obsessed with a perfect record when that couldn't be more meaningless they have been obsessed with extracting every single nickel which is fine because you you put your life on the line when you get into the ring but People forget Ali had five losses. Sugar Ray Robinson, widely considered the greatest fighter ever, had 19 losses on his resume. That Losses don't matter. And until boxers realize that and things change, you know, boxing, instead of be, having a place alongside football and basketball in terms of popularity, is going to be with you know, NASCAR and lacrosse. 
Chris, want to ask you about uh, the All-Star game. And, of course, we had a truncated All-Star extravaganza this year. What are you um, – well, I guess let me ask you this first. Uh, how did you enjoy this year's experience? I think Team Durant is on the hot seat. Their general manager, their coach, <laughs> their players. I mean, that, that was a shellacking if you've ever seen one in an All-Star game, you know, quarter after quarter. And somebody tweeted this, and they were right. Like, it just seemed like – Team LeBron was the cool kids' table, and Team Durant was not. <laughs> they just seemed like they were having way more fun on Team LeBron than they were on Team Durant, whether it was Kyrie taking it seriously, some other stuff there. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, it, it's better the way it is now. Um, I am on board with having everything on one day, which I know won't happen again because they want to stretch it out over multiple days. But I kind of like having everything, the skills competition, uh, on the dunk contest all in one day. I will say this. There's, like, the skills competition and the dunk contest badly need to be you know, overhauled. you got to include, like, defense in the skills competition somewhere, right? Like, defense is a skill. So whether it's the other player can pick a player to go one-on-one against somebody and that counts as a defensive stop, uh, that's got to be changed a little bit. In the dunk contest, I mean, you got to get guys to participate, right? Like, no disrespect to Cash Stanley, but I had no idea who Cash Stanley was. Like, I covered the league. I had no idea who he was. You know, Obi Toppin, you know, only from college. Uh, Anthony Simons, that was – I didn't know he had those kind of hops, so he was fun to watch. But you got to find a way to get the big names back in that competition if you're going to keep doing it. Chris, the thing that stood out to me the most from that game was just the remarkable talent and skill of the, the sharpshooters. Man, when Damian Lillard was shooting, I mean, he looked like he could hit. I told Jake earlier, he looked like he could hit 7 of 10 from half court if he wanted to. You know, it, it, and, and Steph Curry doing – that stood out to me more than anything. Yeah, I, I mean, I – you know, Damian Lillard practices those shots. I mean, I, I know Paul George said something to this effect afterwards, like, you know, okay, maybe that is a good shot. Like, it's, it's his <laughs> – that's his range. And it was fun watching – him and Steph play, you know, anything you can do, I can do better. And I wish they would have done more of it. I know Lillard took a, you know, behind half court shot that was way off, but I would have liked to see a couple more attempts from the two of them because they are the two most dangerous long-range snipers probably this league has ever seen. You know, if Reggie Miller's out there calling Steph Curry the best shooter of all time, that that tells you something. So I would have liked to have seen even more of that uh, from those spots. But they're, I mean, they're just dangerous from the outside and you know if it was one takeaway from watching it's like they're those really aren't bad shots that Steph and Clay are taking or Steph and, uh, and, and Lillard are taking Chris uh, lay out some expectations for this Jazz team in the second half of the season well I don't see any reason to believe why what they did in the first half isn't sustainable I mean like everybody else I'm going to be watching those marquee games uh, a Laker game at full strength, a Clippers game at full strength, um, you know, games like that, Portland at full strength, to see how the Jazz measure up. But, you know, there's nothing that was that feels like an aberration there. I mean, Rudy Gobert, you know, we talked about this. His impact on both ends has been MVP level. So I, I don't, I don't believe that's going to change because nothing he's doing seems like it's it's going to come back down to earth. You're always maybe a little concerned about Clarkson that his streakiness goes cold, but he's been great all season long. And Mitchell is just a young guy, you know, taking another step. Mike Conley, we know, is is Mr. Consistent, um, you know, throughout his career. So I, I have the same expectations in the second half of the Jazz that we saw in the first. I don't expect any kind of crash to earth or any kind of, of significant shift in the way they're playing. They're they're a well constructed team, a well coached team with you know, the right kind of players to finish games. So uh, I think this is Utah team is in a great position to you know, get into the playoffs as the number one, number two seed. So, Chris, I want to put you on the spot with this question. First of all, let me, let me preface it by saying Jake and I were talking about how the Jazz are typically they're good at both ends of the floor. And then we were talking about the emphasis on offense, and we've had that conversation with you in the past. But we were trying to figure out the last time an NBA champion team was not particularly good at, at, at defense. And we were really struggling to find to remember when when that happened. It's almost like as much as 
offense is emphasized these days. If you don't play D, you're not going to win a championship. No, and this is the conversation that usually comes around, has come around when Mike D'Antoni coached teams were good because they were always dynamic offensively and reporters, and I've done it, I've written it, have asked, like, how good do you need to be defensively to win a championship? And Mike has always said you can't win a championship unless you're a top-10 defensive team, no matter how good you are. Now, the, the Nets may test that. You know, the Nets are not going to transform into a top-10 defensive team in the second half of the season. Blake Griffin, good player, probably a good addition, but he's not going to impact them overwhelmingly defensively. But they are so outstanding offensively that you may see that theory, you know, tested with Brooklyn. But you really have to be special offensively, like, you know, generationally. Because even, like, some of the Miami Heat teams, I have to go back and look, but I thought they were really good defensively. Uh, I mean, LeBron was an elite defensive player back then. Um, and they, and they, so they were inside, I think, that top ten. But uh, unless you're, you're, you're really special offensively, you've got to be inside that top ten. Chris Mannix, uh, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I uh, want to talk about the Clippers for a second here because uh, Gordon keeps uh, bringing up that, oh, they lost to the Nuggets last year, and uh, do you question them? Do you, what, what is the key to the Clippers' success or not? Is it internal or are they missing pieces? No, well, it's both. Um, they are missing a point guard. You know, and, and I expect before the March 25th deadline, for them to aggressively pursue some kind of help at that position. They have been linked, I've been told, to Terry Rogier in the past. I don't know if the success Charlotte has had this year has changed their opinion on Rogier and keeping him around, but there is something of a glut of guards uh, in Charlotte right now with LaMelo playing at the level that he's playing. Um, so I, I would expect them to make a run at somebody. So that's that's the, the roster issue. Uh, internally, though, it's, it really comes down to how you perform when you get punched in the mouth, when you're down 2-1 in the series. And the Clippers, you know, last year and historically have not performed when something like that happens. So I guess it just it remains to be seen, you know, what happens with L.A. if they get in some trouble in the postseason. I, I, I can't answer it. Nobody can answer it. Do they have – enough internal leadership this year to, you know, get over something, a situation like that, or do they fold again? Because, you know, the guys they have on that team are extremely talented, but they're not de facto leaders. Like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are not de facto leaders. So that's, that's probably the, the unanswerable question with this Clippers team until we see them in that situation. So, Chris, we study the West all the time, talk about the teams that we were just talking about, the Jazz, Clippers, the Lakers, all that. But is there a team, if it's not the Nets in the East, is there a team in the East that could be a legitimate threat for a title this year? Is it the Sixers? Who? I mean, do they exist? I think they exist. Um, I, I mean, the Sixers certainly have the, on paper, look like they have the talent. I get a little leery of trusting Seth Curry and some of the supporting cast they have in a seven-game series, but they're more well-constructed now than they ever have before. I do think Milwaukee's dangerous. I mean, you know, we've said, many of us said, myself included, that the addition of Drew Holiday was a game-changer for them, that Drew Holiday is going to be better for them in the postseason than Eric Bledsoe. I still believe that. And with their swoon in, what was it, January, February, whenever it happened, came when Holiday was out of the lineup due to COVID. Uh, now that he's back, um, they're a, a complete team. So I, I still think Milwaukee, you know, if they can get some confidence in the postseason and Giannis can show he can take over some games, all, all ifs, no question. But I think Milwaukee's a threat to win the whole thing. I Look, the Lakers are great, and if they're at full strength, um, they're probably still the team to beat because their struggles have come with Davis out and Dennis Schroeder out. Um, the Jazz are excellent, but they're as untested as anybody deep in the playoffs. So I think there are multiple teams in the Eastern Conference that can come out and win this thing. Chris, thank you as always. Have a great week. You got it, guys. It's our friend Chris Mannix, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. Coming up next, we have the Not Sports Port. Coach Chiesa joins us at 5. 
It is the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your not sports report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for the Not Sports Report. Actually, it's Monday. It's time for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Be caller 12 right now. 855-340-ZONE. Correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Announced by DJ and PK this morning at 8.50. And you'll win his own prize package. Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. Right here on the Zone Sports Network. But it is that time for the Not Sports Report. Brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going to a story, Jake, that is uh, right up your alley. Okay. It's right up your alley. It's what you have always talked about, well, for many years talked about oh, doing. Boy. All right. And uh, it, this is it personified. But before I get to that... Uh, it has to do with, with marriage and who you marry. But before I get to that, uh, you mentioned the Oprah Winfrey interview with Harry and Meghan. Do you know that that was more watched than the average NFL football game in 2020? <laughs> Yet you had no idea it even happened. I didn't even know. <laughs> I, I, I know about it. But some of the some of the stuff that was said in that interview is really rather riveting. I uh, know. Now that uh, there's some you know good stuff it. in there. I mean, not stuff that you would approve of, but stuff that's kind of shameful. But <laughs> nonetheless, they must have been pretty honest in that. You know, it just goes to show you, be careful how you treat your family members, right? Because it could all come out. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Back to the story of note here. Jake, this is this is your pipe dream. Apparently, Mackenzie Scott, who is the former wife of Jeff Bezos, the Amazon founder, married a science teacher from her kid's school. A science teacher from her kid's school. His name is Dan Jewett, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And he was asked about marrying the fourth richest woman in the world, who is worth $54 billion, Jake. $54 billion. This is, this, is, uh, this is not only your pipe dream, but it's Austin's pipe dream, too. What Do you is? think you could have found a way to love uh, Mackenzie? I don't know. I've never met Mackenzie. Yeah, but you always talked about how you wanted to marry either a very wealthy or a very capable woman who would, who you could uh, just hang on to the coattails and be taken care of. I don't know, capable. I didn't have to marry somebody wealthy. I wanted to marry somebody uh, talented and wanted to go out and make a career. Oh, that's not how you put it. That is you, how I put it. You said you wanted to marry somebody who would generate a lot of income. Very capable and able to generate a lot of income. <laughs> Is $54 billion enough? That's not generating anything. She got that with her divorce. That's still there. Austin, money's money, right? Oh, yeah. I can love anyone that has money. <laughs> well, this, is, this is amazing. The, the science teacher saying he was asked about this stuff, and he was saying, I had no clue that anything like this would ever happen to me. You know, he was a typical science teacher who, <laughs> you know, you know, science teachers, uh, they, they, they serve a great purpose in educating the youth of America, but it's not a profession you go into and think you're going to have $54 billion to toss around. Hmm. I thought that might. Well, I don't think I don't she's know. just going to let might... him toss around $54 billion. But... <laughs> well, he's going to have enough to take good care of himself and to be very generous i guess she's a philanthropist now she would be taking care of him that wouldn't exactly be taking care of yourself now would it <laughs> well to have yourself taken care of i mean that then, that money that doesn't way. just become his you know that right well i know but i think he's going to be okay i think he's going to be okay jake and i this is something i thought that you would have have already thought about because it was Kind of a goal of yours, if I remember, went back when you to were to marry a rich divorcee. <laughs> no, to marry I don't some. think so. 
<laughs> I mean, if that would have happened, I guess, uh, okay, if I would have fallen in love there. But no, no, just going scouting a rich divorcee was not my game plan. Well, speaking of having yourself taken care of, I guess we need to talk with Matt. Let's right? get out to the zone phone. Joining us now from Lone Depot, he's our friend Matt Harrison. Hi, Matt. Hey, guys. Hey, uh, let's let's talk about the actual impact of what you're talking about with reverse mortgages. Uh, I'm sure you've you've seen this first person how it can have a big time impact. Yeah, and you know we, we've talked a lot about the program and how it works and 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 what it does for people. But um, you know, let me give you just a, a an example of uh, two examples of how amazing this program is and really how it transforms lives. So I, um, I worked with a, uh, a client uh, just a couple of months ago, and she received a, a lump sum amount of money from her ex-husband uh, when he passed away. But, um, you know, when, his, when he passed, there was a portion of the income that went away. And so she was just living off with Social Security, didn't have a lot of money. And, and you know, her rental payment alone was, you know, say $800, and she was making about 1100 And so... You know, it doesn't take a math genius to know that $300 a month is, is almost impossible to live on. And, you know, she just saw this lump sum of money getting smaller and smaller and smaller every single month. And her family was concerned. And anyway, they came to me asking for a solution. We were able to get this, this wonderful woman into a home. And, um, and now she doesn't have to make her principal or interest payments. Um, she's now cash flowing. Um, you know, the money that she's making every single month. And, and it was just, it was a wonderful, like, uh, just amazing experience with her family to say, okay, we know mom's taken care of now. Um, you know, we put this into another perspective of another client that just purchased a house in holiday and, um, you know, purchased it cash and said, you know, Matt, I'm, I'm really interested in, in making sure that I can access this equity in my home. And, you know, we set up the reverse for the line of credit option, which I'll tease a little bit. We'll talk about it in our next segment. But this allowed him to then pull out or have available to him about a $400,000 line, which is now growing with interest in his benefit that he can now access if he needs it. That's so cool. And I I love it how easily you're making uh, information on this thing accessible, not only you and your expertise online or even on your cell, but also giving out a free book. Yes, I'm giving out free books today. Um, So feel free to reach out to my cell phone number, 801-330-2200. Again, 801-330-2200. Just send me a text. Say, hey, I'm interested in the book. I'll connect with you. We'll get it on out. You can also visit my website, reverseourhome.com. Again, reverseourhome.com. Give you a lot of information. And, guys, as we talked about, this program is so different from what people really think that it is. And I'm here to educate and, and see if this program is right for you. All right. That number again, 801-330-2200. That's 801-330-2200. Or go to reverseourhome.com. Matt, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. All right. There you go. That's our friend Matt Harrison with Loan Depot. Coach Chiesa joins us next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.